Good evening and welcome to the NFL Draft. Tonight, we officially welcome the next generation of players. So if you're ready, are you ready? Let's get it started. The NFL Draft is officially open. Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I am Trevor Sikama. With me is Benjamin Solak. Recording Fan Friday late once again, but I am elated to report that as of this second, I have a refrigerator in the place where I live. Ben, it was a a long journey. There were phone calls. There were trips to Home Depot. There were all kinds of things, but we did it. We did it. 9.30 p.m. on a Friday (laughs) night. We pushed that sucker in, and I could not have felt more like a dad. I was so proud staring at that hunk of metal in the correct spot in the kitchen. Think about every single person you're going to have over, every single guest and visitor, and you're going to walk in, you're going to have that opening anecdote for the dinner party just sitting right in the middle of the kitchen waiting for you. Point to the fridge and be like, this is a Dyson S3600. I don't know how fridges are named. Shout out Kevin Dyson. Yeah. And you're like, and I spent a week acquiring this, such as providing for the family, my responsibility as a man. Yeah. Here is my story. You'd be like, hey, you want a bottle of water? Funny thing about that bottle of water. See how it's chilled? You don't see it? Yeah. I would say how it's in this fridge. <laughs> yeah, I hunted this fridge with my bare hands. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, so I, I'm, apologies again for the episode being a little bit late, had some complications. Hopefully, this is the these are the last complications of moving that I have that are going to interfere with the podcast, at least. I'm sure there will be uh, plenty more down the road. But, Ben, before we get into these tight end rankings, how you doing, my friend? It's officially the weekend. Yeah, man. Every day is a good day to be alive. It's delicious. I've got iced coffee that came out of my fridge, which has always been in my house. So, I'm just really counting my blessings today, okay. that's for sure. Okay, now, now I actually hate you. Tight ends! <laughs> We're ranking these tight ends. We're not giving 10 as we did for wide receivers, because that was a two-week ordeal. It was just a one-week thing here for the tight end position. So, Ben, let's give our top five from the guys that we looked at this week, and these are the twenty potential 2021 prospects for the 2021 NFL Draft. Yeah, five for me, Nick Eubanks out of Michigan. And I, I was really confident in my top four. And then when I was looking at, at my options for top five, there are a lot of guys who I think could have better seasons than they did last year, this upcoming year, and, and there's reason to project growth for them. When we talked about Eubanks, as we said, not what we expected to see out of a Michigan tight end, pleasantly surprised by that. Like the frame, like the catch radius, like the separation ability, I can I can do something with that. And even if I don't get great production the way I'm hoping to get better production out of Eubanks, there's traits here that I'd be willing to bet on, um, which is the same thing is true of a Jeremy Rucker, the same thing is, is true of a Josh Peterson. Um, but... It, it, to me, Eubanks is the one where right now, if I if I had to draft between those guys, I think he's the one that's got the most polish on him, and I can I can project him the most favorably to contributing in year one. You having Nick Eubanks at number five makes me afraid that we have the exact same top five. We'll see at the very end, so there's a little bit of suspense of who might be one and two, but right. I also have Eubanks at number five, and it's kind of because of the points that you noted there. Shame that both him and Nico Collins played on Michigan's offense last year with Shea Patterson as the quarterback because I think these are two pretty talented football players. And with Eubanks, I think you can see the 
potential athleticism that's greater than the production or at least the attention that he gets in Michigan's offense. There are times where, and we discussed this when we went over his film, where he will turn on a dime and flip his hips or put his foot in the ground and go to a different direction. I go, okay, like we got a little bit of an athlete here, you know? So Mm -hmm. that's just very underutilized at Michigan. And so even if we get college football this upcoming season, I am afraid it's just going to be more of the same and we're not really going to see Nick Eubanks. Nick Eubanks, to me, is a prospect who is always going to be a lot of projection, but there are things to like. Yeah, I, I, I think that that five, you could have a lot of names. Among the guys that we watched, and we didn't get to like Noah Gray and Matt Bushman and some other dudes, but among the guys we watched, you could have a lot of names. Who was the, who was the guy for Washington? Kate Otten. Yeah, Kate Otten. Yeah, I just wanted yeah, to shout him out because we, we got a couple of clips about Kate Otten. Yeah, shout out Kenny Yebwa, uh, Temple transfer to Ole Miss, Allentown, PA native. Let's go Mount Valley Conference. Anyway. Um, I have no idea where that came from. I nor just, what I, Ben even said. Those were just when, words to me. When I was profiling tight ends, I found a kid who's from my old high school conference, which immediately means he's a good football player. Okay. Anyway. Right. Um, okay, so. I would say the exact are, opposite of anyone who went from where I'm from. Right. Um, okay, in that, we may have the same exact top five. I don't want to open for every single guy. So who's your number four? Charlie Kohler. Yeah. Is he your four? Yeah. Big. Large. Healthy. Size. Girth. Yeah, no, so this is a uh, massive man's tight end, and I think that unlike Luke Farrell from Ohio State, Charlie Kohler is a big-bodied guy who's used primarily as a receiver. Farrell is a big-bodied guy who's primarily used as a blocker. Kohler obviously brings the higher upside and return on investment playing offense. He's not going to cut on a dime, and he is not going to move as smoothly as some of these other guys. But look, he's 6'6", about 255, 260 pounds. So you've got to think, I'm I'm not asking him to look like a Brevin Jordan or look like a Kyle Pitts. These are two different football players. So when I look at what Charlie Kolar is, we talked about this when we were, when we were highlighting him on the episode earlier this week. I almost want him to just Put on more weight. You you brought this up. Put on more weight and like become more of a rebounder. Become more of an above the rim player. Have high better strength. Be able to take on all kinds of different defenders because this guy clearly wins with his catch radius. With telling the quarterback Brock Purdy at Iowa State, hey, just throw the ball up and I will go get it. I want him to be even better than that. Don't harp too much on the athleticism. I think that it's plenty fine for him to win the way that he wants to win. So he's number four for me. I could definitely see him playing a certain role in the NFL that uh, is almost like a bailout kind of a player for quarterbacks. Yeah, I um, when I said that I, I was confident in my top four, I don't think Kohler is a tier one tight end. I think there's a clear... No, 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 yeah. Yeah, three guys who are in tier one. But to me, Kohler stands above the rest of the tier two guys in that there may be better athletes below him, but there are certainly not better football players below him. And even though he is not a top athlete, I have seen players of this mold be successful in the NFL and not just in like a tight end two way. You know what I mean? You've got to give them the time of day. You have to be willing to give them the volume because it's going to be contested catches. It's going to be red zone pylon throws. It's not going to be separation as much, but you can have Kohler be your primary target getter at tight end and be just fine on offense. Um, and, and 
I, that's not something I'm ready to say about the players below him yet. Uh, that's how strongly I feel about Kohler's ability with the ball in the air, boxing out, separating with his hands. And so, likable player. Uh, I, I think, as I said, when we first talked about him on the first day, I just I tend to like these guys. I, I, I enjoy them. I can get them on the field. They're, they're hard workers, and, and, and it's a fun mold. Uh, so my number three, which again I'm confident this is your number three, is Brevin Jordan Correct. out of Miami. Yep. And 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 Jordan belongs to tier one, but he is a one B below the one A's uh, who are above him. Brevin does not have the same degree of polish right now that you're going to get route running from the two tight ends above him, namely Pat Fryermuth out of Penn State and Kyle Pitts out of Florida, who we'll rank and talk about in a second. With that said, athletically he's of their caliber, and you do have a legitimate argument to make that if you're getting Jordan in the actual NFL draft at a slight discount relative to Pitts and Fryermuth, well, as long as you can get him right on some of the details of route running, you just got an equivalent player at a discounted cost. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he's a little bit of a project, but at the same time, he's a little bit of a value add when you look at it from that perspective. Jordan has a unique yak ability. Uh, Brought up some stats on the Monday pod when we talked about him here on the, or or, excuse me, the Tuesday pod on the Friday pod, uh, from Dane Brugler's piece on the tight end class from The Athletic. 782 receiving yards for Brevin Jordan in the last two years at Miami. 495 came after the catch. So think about it as about 500 out of 750, about two-thirds. Sports Info Solutions has him at averaging 7.4 yards after the catch per reception. Again, this guy's getting bubble screens, which we do not usually see from tight ends. So it is a little bit of his touches. But it is also just supremely natural athleticism. He looks so good with the ball in his hands. Very rare for a tight end. That's going to make him valuable to a lot of teams. Very exciting in that regard. A little bit of polish needed. A little bit of work needed. That's okay. Still a really, really delightful athlete. Exciting football player. Yeah, we talk about like those offensive weapons, right? I, I think that that gets brought up with certain players who can play all these kinds of roles like like a Curtis Samuel for example we go like oh you know he's a he's an offensive weapon he'll play wide receiver he'll play running back you know it's often those mold of players that get that label Brevin Jordan as a tight end is almost this like offensive weapon you know what I'm saying where it's like you line him up in true receiver roles and like you just said there you're giving this guy bubble screens because you can guaranteed that he's going to be getting yards after the catch no matter where you're lining him up you could put him at h-back you could put him in line in the slot heck you could even put him in the backfield and i i i actually just recently watched johnny smith for the tennessee titans i was doing an article about him talking about his 2020 outlook and there was a play last year i don't think i caught this where he had a 57 yard run like they put him in the back they, they subbed him yeah. for derrick henry and they gave him a a pure toss play. Like, this was designed. They gave him a toss play. The blockers hit, sprung him, and this dude just took off. For, and I, I was reminded a little bit of what I feel like you can do with a guy like Brevin Jordan. And so when I watch... When I watch Brevin Jordan in Miami and the things that he could do, now that I have rewatched Johnny Smith, I was reminded of, like, dude, this is the role. Like, this is something. The way that the Titans play Johnny Smith is a way that I could see Brevin Jordan really succeeding in the NFL. And people might be like, dude, like Johnny Smith really hasn't done anything. Like, yes, I I understand that. But the first year was because Delaney Walker was the emphasis. And even though we got hurt, uh, they didn't really want to give the same emphasis to Johnny Smith. 
He was third on the team in receiving yards and fourth on the team in targets last year. I think it's going to be even bigger this year because Ty J. Sharp is gone. Delaney Walker is now officially gone. Like It's going to be the Johnny Smith show. So I think you're going to see in 2020, if we get an NFL season, that's kind of this mold of creativity, this offensive weapon X-factor player that I could see Brevin Jordan playing a similar, similar role in the NFL. I agree. And and also, like to the point, yeah, like, oh, John has not really been volume. I don't care. Like, this is scouting. Like, I don't really care what if they throw him the ball or not. I think he's good at this, and nothing will ever change my mind in the face of extremely overwhelming evidence to the contrary. John Smith is a really good yak player, and, you know, so is Brevin Jordan going to be, in my opinion. They use they use Johnny Smith a little bit more as a blocker, which I'm not yeah. so sure that Brevin Jordan is like that, That's but. the thing is, like, yeah, like, it's never perfect, but it is helpful. Um, All right, uh, Top two guys. You want to do? Uh, you want to do like a three, two, one? Say who's number two. Okay, three, two, one. Say who's number two. Okay. All right. Three, uh, two, one. Pat, Pat Fryermuth. Yes, okay. let's go, baby. Say it five for five, brother. See, and now five nothing five. about the rankings will this change. This episode really. sucks. All right. Do you want to? Okay, I'll open on Fryermuth so you can open on Pitts. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. No, that works. Fryermuth, big dude. Physical dude, complete dude, right? And when we talk about why Fryermuth and Pitts are 1A above Brevin Jordan's 1B, it's not because both are more complete. I think with, with Pitts, it's just he's he's the ideal mold for Jordan. But for Fryermuth, it is the fact that he is more complete. Fryermuth is very physical throughout his route stem. Excellent usage of his hands uh, to separate throughout his routes, which some we talk about with Kyle Pitts as well route running full route tree available to him from the H back position. He's getting a ton of, of snaps in motion, working into the flats, working into the sideline, making contested catches, making difficult body adjustment catches up against the boundary in the red zone. Really big threat in that regard as well. Athletically quality NFL athlete at tight end, just solid. Is he overwhelming? No. Is he everything you need and probably a little bit extra? Absolutely. Um, extremely active offhand with the ball in his hands able to break tackles brings that same level of contact to what he's doing as a blocker can he latch and drive sometimes not as much as you'd like to see but that lower body power that we brought up on the wednesday pod that weight room uh build that he has really really helps him with that that explosiveness through his hips that when he does latch and drive he can move people so if you're looking for a complete tight end, this is the guy that you're going after. He's going to take a little bit of work the way that most tight ends do when they're coming out of college because blocking-wise, he's right now he's an H-back who just works angles and kind of controls for as long as he can. Um, but the want-to is there. The physicality is there. The know-how has just got to catch up a little bit. And then as a receiver, I mean, he's he's a dynamic mover, good hands away from his frame, able to run his routes and win in a variety of ways. So I, I compare him to Tyler Eifert. He gets the baby Gronk comparison. If you're getting a player even in the middle of those two, even slightly to the Eifert on that spectrum, you're getting a quality NFL starter for as long as he's healthy. So Pat Fryer with very likable potential round one pick for sure. I like what you said there when you. you said, is he everything when you talked about his athleticism, but is he everything that you need? Yes. You know, like, and I think that that's the way to do it. We're going to watch it. And, and a lot of people are, I don't want to say fall victim, but like the, a lot of people are going to watch Kyle Pitts this year, especially here in the summer, and get some some eyes on him. And then they'll watch Pat Fryermuth, and they'll probably be like, "Oh yeah, Pat Fryermuth, he's you know like not really like the athlete that some of these other guys are." Like as if it's a negative, and it's like, no, no, no. Like Kyle Pitts is just like built different. Like he's just a different wide receiver. And even Brevin Jordan, I think when you get him in the open field with his acceleration, I think he's just like built different. 
But Fryermuth has the athleticism that is needed. And it's it's important, I think, to denote that because you're going to, by nature, compare him to the rest of the guys in his class. Just because Fryermuth is not quite the athlete as these almost glorified oversized wide receivers, that doesn't mean that it just ultimately becomes this negative for him. He is plenty athletic. And I just think that that's a point that a lot of people need to remember as they go through this tight end class. Kyle Pitts, number one. Uh, I'll open up my summary of him by quoting Bill Belichick when he said, F those blocking tight ends. No, he never said that. But on Twitter, (laughs) there was a quote that was going around and Belichick was talking about uh, tight ends who were blocking. What was the exact quote? I'm going to look this up. I don't want to, I don't want to misquote the great Bill Belichick. Uh, Belichick on scouting tight ends. Quote, don't let the lack of blocking ability eliminate a good player. So that's basically, you know, saying that as the NFL... Belichick drafting Kyle Pitts first round, 2021. Kyle Pitts tight end one, baby. Me and Bill Belichick. Or us and Bill Belichick. Um, So I think the important thing to remember there is that Belichick is basically saying the tight end position asks you to do a lot potentially. There are a lot of things you can do. You can be an inline player. You could be a primary blocker. You could be an H-back guy. You could be a move tight end. You could be a big slot. You could be an outside receiver. You could be all of these things. But no matter what you are looking for in a guy, you cannot let the diversity of the position take away from what a player might be able to do for your offense. If you need a receiving tight end, do not go into scouting looking at a guy like Kyle Pitts and go... Yeah, yeah, but you know he's going to be a liability on the uh, online scrimmage. You know we can't really use him on uh, on you know too much on these play action sets because he's not really selling anything. He's not really giving us anything back as a blocker. What do you need as a team? Do you need a receiver? What Kyle, do you want? Kyle Pitts what is going to give want? you that, and I think that I that's. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, I'm doing the notebook. That's, I'll shut up. I think really important when you are evaluating tight ends. There's so many flavors of tight ends nowadays. You've got to know what you're looking for. And if you find a guy who can dominate at a part of the position, and it's the position that you need, don't let his lack of ability elsewhere take it away from you showing an interest to him. And that's really where you start with Kyle Pitts. Why, Ben? Because Kyle Pitts is an oversized, it is basically an oversized wide receiver who is playing the tight end position. He's 6'6", 240. He's coming off the line of scrimmage as fast as any tight end I've ever seen. I talked on the podcast, uh, when was this, yesterday, Thursday? Yep. He reminded me of O.J. Howard when I was watching O.J. Howard coming out. And I was like, there is no way this guy should be getting off the line of scrimmage this fast. When you play him in the box, it's purely because that burst out of his stance is a mismatch right off the bat against any linebackers. They put him, they put him in line to get him lined up against box players that he is much more athletic than. But... Most of the time, you're going to see Kyle Pitts in the slot. You'll see him outside as an X receiver. And we mentioned this too. When you put him out near the sideline, his feet, his hands, and his release look like a wide receiver one. And to Belichick's point, do not let the fact that this 240-pound long, lanky tight end who probably can't anchor well on the line of scrimmage against a 260-265 defensive end, do not let that part take away from the fact that he is already polished, dominant, has a very wide catch radius, awesome hands, great yards after the catch ability, a diverse route tree, 
Do not let his blocking ability take away from what he does there. That is why Kyle Pitts is tight end one to me because the top end of what he brings to the offense and how much return on investment you get for his abilities is even ahead above Pat Fryermuth. That's why I've got him number one. Yeah, and like I, I, again, like the most helpful framework for me is just listing the players who I'm like, yes, let's cover Kyle Pitts with this guy because six four two forty. 6'6-240, excuse me, and can run routes and catch outside of his frame. Like, we Der- need... Derwin? Yeah, I mean, like, that, like, Isaiah right, we Simmons. need... Right, like I said, Fred Warner, right? You know Fred what I mean? Warner. Like, probably okay with Jamal Adams on him just because Jamal's so physical. But, like, it's not a huge list. And even then, like, there's advantages of, of having the size that he does. So the combination of fluidity, route acumen, size, and then catch radius, catch away from frame means that if you're willing to give this guy volume, he's going to catch even when he's covered. Uh, he's going to convert for you on late downs. He's going to convert for you inside of the red zone. He's going to do it against multiple types of players and multiple types of coverage, which, I mean, if if your offensive coordinator can't make that extremely inconvenient for defenses such that nobody really cares about his lack of blocking, you need a new offensive coordinator. So, yeah. again, Darren Waller, potential 1,000-yard receiver at the tight end position. That's what we're looking at with Kyle Pitts. On to the Ask Me Anythings. We're going to start with the premium Slack channel. Sometimes we end with it, saving the best for last. This time that we we are starting, we're giving you guys the lead-off position. Sterling's question is the first one. Benny, ready? You got your notes? I didn't well, even give that's time. the thing. Is sometimes we start with the premium Slack. Sometimes we end with the premium Slack. But Ben always forgets to check the premium Slack. So, okay. All right. Sterling said, rank your top five oh. Glasses to drink from. Yeah, he put he put this on Twitter as well, so I'm good. I think he, right. I think he doubled up here. So it's 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 if you are going into the kitchen, you're like, man, I need a drink. What is your favorite glass to drink from? Okay, so right, so I did incorporate a mug and also a metal thing. So not all glassware. I acknowledge that's cheating, but I basically went for receptacles. Okay, so number five is a soup mug. You're familiar with the soup mug? No. So a soup mug, it's it's like the same concept as a cup and saucer. Uh, it's the, you know, it, the the soup mug is a very wide mouth. It's very, it's like shaped like a bowl. And it's meant for like, you know, like I have my tea in it in the mornings because it cools the tea faster because of the surface area. The more mm. steam gets out. Mm. But it's big and it's slurpy, right? You like hold it with two hands. You go like, right? It's, it, it, so it's it, a bowl. Yeah, pretty much. So you it, like a, drinking from a it's bowl. It's a bowl with a handle, and it's called a soup mug. Is this number one for you? No, it's five. Okay. I was going to say, it's you very a rugged. bowl at number one. All right, go on. No. Uh, number four is it the seems like something mule. that you would eat porridge from. No. you Well, sometimes I put cereal in it, but that's only because it's a very nice bowl for cereal because then you drink the milk after it's got a handle. Anyway, I like putting drinks in Moscow Mule cups, mugs. I don't know what the official name for them is, but... I don't. I don't drink Moscow Mules, but like those cups are extremely cool, yeah, and they like the the bronzing with the colors. Yeah, I like. Yeah. Um, number three is like the classic Coke branded glass. You know what I'm talking about? It's got like mm. it's like green blown grass, and it's got the cocoa green blown glass, uh, and it's got like the 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 actual Coke branding on the side of it. It's not a bottle; it's a cup. Um, those are super cool. Number two is a stemless wine glass i love putting like chocolate milk in stemless wine glasses oh, I think dude it's the funniest thing in the world come I don't drink on wine. i don't drink wine i don't care 
So like, no, anytime I have something that's like ridiculous, I absolutely grab one of our, our wine, one of Mayor's wine glasses, I should say, and just <laughs> throw it in there. And I'm just like, yeah, I am big culture. Um, so I, I like screwing around with that. And okay. then number one by far is a mason jar. Um, I love drinking out of mason jars. Don't know why it's so funny to me. Don't know why things taste better out of mason jars, but they do. And we have like multiple mason jar glasses that I think I've just like had since college that don't fit our, all of our like registry glassware, but we both like drinking out of them. It's fun. Uh, number five, and I had this as number five because I wanted to point out how much I don't necessarily enjoy doing this is actually a wine glass without the stem. I don't you know. You don't like stemless wine glasses? I just, uh, no, I, I, for whatever reason, I feel like, I'm going to knock it over all the time. I do not know why. It's it just, doesn't make any sense. When, the center of gravity is lower. No, I, I, I understand this. But like when the stemless wine glass is on the table, I am more stressed <laughs> than if it has long, a long stem. Take. Which doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. But this is, you know, I can't, you know, I am who I am. I've got to accept it. Uh, I didn't go as diverse as you did. So I went with the more common glasses well number four i have is just like a plastic cup like if you're coming in from doing yard work or like playing sports or whatever you're just grabbing a plastic cup i thought about that i've had a plastic uh, cup for like seven years i've just kept with me forever that's a it's a good go-to cup classic glass cup is number three number two is a wine glass with the stem love putting it between the fingers holding the wine glass with the stem feel very fancy very powerful doing that and and you put it between the second and the third finger? Yes, of course. Okay. Yeah. Obviously. All right, all right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not yeah, like yeah. A, I'm not a monster. Okay. I'm not some stemless wine glass drinker. I love stemless wine glasses. Number one is a whiskey glass, like a small low shot whiskey glass that you you oh, like, throw a good one. whiskey on the rocks or whiskey straight on it because it it's small enough where it gives you the power to hold the glass with your thumb and your third finger and then between your index finger and your middle finger, you could potentially have a cigar in there. And I've done that very few times in my life, but boy, did I feel <laughs> like an absolute mobster doing that. And so for the, uh, for the high end potential, that's, uh, that's why Be- I've got Because it. you brought up whiskey glasses, we have to give a quick shout out to double, double wall glasses. That's the one where the, the actual uh, vacuum, the actual like space of the glass is not the full glass itself, so you can like see room. You know what I'm talking about? No. Alright, hang on. I'm gonna I'm 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 sending you a uh photo or I'm just sending you a link. Okay. Um Where are you sending else. this to me? On Twitter or what? On Slack. I'm gonna DM it to you on Slack. Okay, now I gotta pull up the other you Slack listen, channel. I always have Slack open. Now right, I gotta pull you on Twitter. Up this, I will all right, so now I gotta now I gotta cancel out the Slack tab. Now I gotta go back to Twitter. I mean, it's on Slack and it's on Twitter. It's okay. everywhere. All right, hold on, hold on, hold on, people. What is this? So this okay. Is a oh, okay, yeah, these plan. are cool. Oh, um, I'll drink an espresso shot out of these. Yeah, these cool. absolutely. So like, they, you see it a lot with like coffee and mugs and yeah. stuff, but yeah. like there are tea diffusers that put into these, and it just looks so cool because the liquid's just floating there, and I feel like I'm in space. Uh, Jack asked, "How do you do your peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? What type of peanut butter, jelly?" What's the proportion Very of fine. peanut butter to jelly? If you ever have any variants, for example, sometimes I make a peanut butter and honey sandwich. Ho ho! 
Decadence? Wow. A drink to accompany it? Have you ever toasted it? All right, so Ben, do you do you have off the top of your head like a perfect yes. peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Yeah, I make a lot of um, the peanut butter and jelly has been a go-to for a long time. Yeah, no. Yeah, so should. peanut butter and jelly on separate pieces of bread? Of course. Yes, yes, yes. It's like a I would say it's like a 3 to 2 peanut butter to jelly ratio. You oh, don't yeah. want a lot of jelly, so like if you're if you're dripping out of the side of your sandwich, you made it wrong. No, jelly yeah. is just for like the little extra flavor. I prefer strawberry over grape, to be frank. Um, all like all jelly that's like farmers market jelly is really good, but like store bought jelly, the strawberry tends to be less like sickeningly sweet than the grape jelly, in my opinion. So I like strawberry jelly for that. Man, I'm but the I'll other put- way around. Like I I go I go grape because I think it's less sweet than some of the other. Oh, yeah? Like sometimes it's like peach jam and stuff and like there's right all, all that stuff I, I think like for whatever reason it's too sweet like all those are too sweet and like you said i'm not trying to get overpowered by the jelly so yeah that's the thing is like i would say that like on average your store-bought jelly is going to be sweeter than it should be so you go low in the proportions that's why like anytime we go, we go to the farmer's market i'm always trying to buy a jelly you know what i mean like that stuff is farmer's market they making it like really good the preserves of course oh, oh yeah of course of course yeah, yeah. Um, do you toast yours? I have. Sometimes I'm vibing it, but like I usually like if I order like a sandwich from like a sandwich shop, like I usually don't toast it. I tend to like just like that. That like if toast you the do, bread. If you do toast it, what you have to do is of course toast the bread first before you put the peanut butter and the jelly yeah, on there. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So you just throw it in the toaster, which is fun. Um, I don't know, like drinking, like you know what I mean. Like I'm usually eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for for lunch, which means I'm just like drinking water you know what i mean like i'm not trying to drink have, things have you ever had any variants of it like he says like peanut butter and honey or something i made pe- peanut butter and honey is good i'll throw a banana peanut butter and banana oh, are you, whoa, 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 hold on are you a creamy or a crunchy guy creamy i'm not a tea then what are you talking about <laughs> i don't right, kill good. people like listen this you, know, you should know this um i don't know this i have to ask <laughs> yeah preferred side uh carrots Probably. Oh. I'm a big baby carrot. You know, like petites? No, 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 no. Carrots are fine, but like carrots and peanut butter and jelly? I mean, like people have carrots do, and peanut do butter. Do you kill people? Carrots and peanut butter is a very regular combination. Yeah, for killers. What are you talking No. <laughs> what are you having on the side? Go up, of to, go up to every person who's currently on death row and ask them what they put <laughs> as their sides. With a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and I guarantee you, okay, you're okay, gonna okay. bat ninety percent. You, celery, an Can, apple. I, 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 an apple maybe, but I, if I'm, if I'm having a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, I'm kind of just like having a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, unless I'm doing like some right. like full, you know, like milk and water kind of like palate cleanse after that. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty unique taste, you know. I mean, you can't like, like no, throw I, Doritos in there or something like that, I, like your right, mom I tried agree. to do like, when I, you were in I'm third grade, to, like a psychopath. I'm not trying to make a side on a peanut butter and jelly either, but like. Like I like like my go to like midday snack is carrots. And so like I was I would probably just put carrots on the plate as well. And then I would eat them because they pair well with peanut butter. And this is not a weird thing. Okay. Okay. All right. Fine. Fine. (laughs) Uh, Jack asked a question that really pissed me off and stressed me out. So shout out FBI agent Jack. He said, rank these seven wide receivers. Did you see this question, Ben? Is are we still in the premium slack? Yes. No, then no, but okay. I can try to find it now. All right, not not great because this is going to take some brain power. He said, rank these seven wide receivers in order of how good you think they are right now. So don't right, factor in age. DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Mike 
Mike Thomas, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. This is unbelievably difficult, and I was so pissed off that I was like 45 minutes into thinking about these rankings. Because the, the truth of it is, before we get to this and people really yell at us, every single wide re- receiver on this list, you could build a team around. Like, you could build an offense and a passing attack around them being the number one wide receiver, which makes it really difficult to do to then try to rank them. Oh, shoot. I have the two Tampa guys at the bottom. I mean, I have... Uh, I have... Julio Jones I, at one. So do I. I have DeAndre Hopkins at two. All right. I have Tyreek Hill at three. Mm-hmm. Mike Thomas at four. Devontae Adams at five. Chris Godwin at six. Mike Evans at seven. We have Hill and Hop flipped, and that's it. I so, this this is so this was so right. I was angry at this. So I'll say this. I think I believe strongly that the top four should be Julio Hill, Hopkins, and Michael Thomas in some order. Mm-hmm. And then Adams, Godwin, and Evans in the second tier in some order. Now, people will say that Thomas shouldn't be above Godwin and Evans. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I wrote about Michael Thomas's alleged claim to being the best wide receiver in the NFL a couple weeks ago before the Madden rankings even came out. And he was put at 99. Yeah. And the reality is we have to delineate in conversation like best and most valuable which is a useless delineation there's no value there's nothing good about being the best wide receiver if you're not the most valuable wide receiver because okay you're the best but you're not helping your team win football games better than other guys so are you really the best no because the whole point is winning football games winning a super bowl whatever but thomas is extremely good very talented natural studied nuanced deliberate so many good things adjectives and but at aspects of wide receiver that are not as valuable as mike evans mossing a kid 25 yards down the field right like thomas is such a good underneath separator well guess what like the the there's diminishing returns the better you are at separating closer to the line of scrimmage you know what i mean it would be better it would be more valuable for the saints if you were a good deep separator but he's not so they just feed him a ton of volume in the underneath area so when we say like who's who's how good do you think they are? I think that Thomas is so good. I think that there's multiple things in which he is one of the best receivers, if not the best receiver in the league. But there is a value conversation that happens there. So the Thomas ranking is very difficult. But for me, in terms of just when I watch them, I go, the talent is unbelievable. Other people can't do this. It goes Julio, Tyreek Hill, De- uh, De- DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas, and then I have uh, the next year Devonte Adams, Chris Godwin, and Mike Evans. Adams, Godwin, and Evans is very difficult for me, to be honest. And yeah. I probably am ranking Adams too high. Um, I really have a soft spot in my in my heart for Devontae Adams. I um, know. Look, Devontae Adams is really good, but yeah. so are the other two. Like it's a this is a really difficult question. There are so I mean, we didn't even obviously like throw Odell in here, but they're it's so funny that people get <laughs> obsessed with linear rankings where you go oh, you've got this guy at number three, but this guy at number eight. And in reality, outside of that conversation, you could probably go yeah, take both of them. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, like yeah. Like, it's <laughs> I'd, I'd build an offense <laughs> around either of these guys. But that was, uh, I, I wanted to humor Jack for the sake of the question and actually come up with a with a ranking. So, uh, very difficult Yeah, the to do, second but. half of his question, if there's anyone that deserves to be on this list that I didn't mention. Um, oh, Odell. Stefan. Odell and Stefan would be the other two, but like Odell, yeah. 100%. Yeah. 
Odell, I think Cooper has a chance, uh, and Stephon Diggs also has a chance. Yes, I, that would like round out the top ten, if you ask me. Yeah. Um, all right, there were a couple versions of this question, but I'm going to go with this one. After the success of your Fast and Furious series featuring rockauto.com, you have been approached by CBS, Fox, ABC to do a remake of any sitcom you like. Friends, How I Met Your Mother, Community, whatever. However, due to budget constraints, uh, you are unable to pay for that series' original actors, and therefore you have to use the TDN crew to fill them in. Ben, I didn't have a specific answer for this because I wanted to work through it with you. Which sitcom would we remake, and then which TDN staff members would play each character? My immediate thought was Always Sunny. I have not seen enough of It's Always Sunny, so if if you think you can peg TDN members as the cast members, go for it. Um, so, I mean, like, I, I, I believe that Kyle has said in the past that he would be Dennis, which if he hasn't, I love Kyle to death. And this is not a referendum on your character whatsoever, but Kyle would be Dennis. Um, that would let me be Charlie, which I would greatly enjoy. Charlie, like, drinks paint and believes in conspiracy theories, and he's an expert in bird law. Um, <laughs> is he the guy who, who has, like, the giant whiteboard? With yes, all like, he's the, the, things he's the going gift everywhere. with the red yarn, right? All he's right. like going like he's like moving his hands. Yeah, that's Charlie. Charlie is one of the greatest television characters of all time, and I'll go to my grave believing this. Um Frank, who's Dennis and Dee's father, and is totally clinically insane. Rob? Uh, um that one's not super neat. Mac. Have you ever seen like, Pacific Rim, by the way? Yeah. So the actor that plays Charlie also plays a character yeah, in Pacific Rim? Yeah, he plays like a totally not scientist, right? Right, and it's basically like what you just described right there, yeah. where he's just like no. talking high-pitched all the time and talking about science things and no no one understanding what he's saying. Yeah, he's no, that, that, he's, he's a delightful character actor. Um, I can make you Mac, I can make Joe Mac, I will make Paige D, um... Which is good because D like tries to wrangle the horses and is generally unsuccessful all the time. Um, so yeah, there are a couple really good fits. Like I think Kyle as Dennis and me as Charlie is pretty funny, and the rest of the characters are maybe a little bit trickier. Um, I don't know. Do you have one in mind? No, I really didn't. Um, if we did How I Met Your Mother, Ben, you would one hundred percent be Ted. Yeah. Um, sure. Dang. Page be Robin. Rob, if I don't make him Barney, he's going to be actually angry at me. Well, he, he, I mean, so okay. I would have to make him. <laughs> I, I would. Ha- I would have to make him Barney. Um, I don't know who would be Marshall. I feel like Joe would yeah. be Marshall. I was. I was also struggling with Marshall. I feel well. like Joe would be a good Marshall. We have. See, the thing is, like, we have so many type a's on staff that it's like like the balance of a sitcom is tough it is yeah it is but either it way is. i like we, the it's always i funny think one. i think we would though make a pretty funny sitcom oh well i mean yeah no doubt about it We'd all right it. where's it was there uh i'm trying to make sure there wasn't a premium slack i didn't i wasn't able to get to the pokemon one for the person who asked that that was really good when slabs mcgee big shout out there wasn't able to get to that one i love the question though uh he said Make a starting 22 roster out of just Pokemon, and I just wasn't able to get it. I saw it late, so That's my bad on that one. If you ask it again, I'll, uh, I'll 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 put some effort into that, and I'll make sure it happens. Oh, Adam asked, if you had to create an all-time team solely based off their hair, who would you have on the all-flow team? And so I don't have 
an like an all team, but I do have a top five. All right, hit it because I didn't see this one. And- we should okay. trust you. I uh, wanted to hair, give so. a shout out to Brian Bosworth for the crazy haircuts and also to my man Bo Allen because Great Bo hair. has the long blonde hair, the Thor hair, and every time I saw him in the locker room, he was brushing his hair. Like my man puts the time into it. He's got the product sitting on his locker. He knows what he's doing. It's hair care at its finest. Hair doesn't look that good on its own. Had to shout out uh, my man. Colin Kaepernick, I have a number five because I don't know how he sometimes pops the helmet off. That afro just seems absolutely perfect. And he also can rock the afro cornrows one, yeah. two, like few people can. Ricky Williams dreads, I have it number four. Iconic. I was about to say, are those the most iconic dreads of football? They're, I, I would think that they are up with another one on this list that I have not gotten to yet. Number three is Troy Polamalu because of course you got to, you got to big respect it. Uh, right there. I don't have Clay Matthews on here, but I actually, now that I'm thinking of it out loud, probably should have had Clay Matthews on here. Number two, I have Randy Moss when he was cornrow Randy Moss, because I also okay. thought that that was absolutely iconic. And then number one, because I do not know how he makes this haircut look so clean for as long as he has, it's Larry Fitzgerald's dreads. I don't know oh, how. Dang it! Yeah, I don't know Larry. how Fitzgerald has taken so good care of his hair in the the way that it is. I just Larry have freaking handsome man. Big. I, I'm respect. googling Larry Fitzgerald dreads right now. It's a good looking dude. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, man. Uh, we're switching over to Twitter now. Twitter questions. Yeah. Mark said a public sub supermarket competitor has hired you both to con- to construct a sub to compete with the goat sub, which is the buffalo chicken tender from Publix. Which kind of sub do you recommend? I love buffalo chicken tender subs. I've gotten so many of these in my lifetime. Heck, I might even get one when this podcast is over. The only other sandwich that I think that we could mass produce that would go toe-to-toe with it would be a really well-done pork belly sandwich because you love pork belly man hit pork belly sandwiches correctly it's got like crunch it's got the fat it's got the meat the juiciness oh never mind i'm going to get a pork belly sandwich after this podcast that would be that would be my guess yeah i i have a pastrami sandwich down as a pa native though i'm not really from the pittsburgh area i'm big on pastrami and i feel like pastrami's got that unique enough taste to it where it can compete with something like the Buffalo Chicken Tender Sub because it can become a novelty. You, you like pastrami? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So No, I feel you. I feel you. You need pastrami. That's either provolone or Swiss. Only two acceptable cheeses for pastrami sandwich. I won't hear anything else. Um, little shredded kraut, healthy mount, fat rye bread, Russian dressing. That thing drips. And then if you want, you can get like some extra like, grilled onions on there. You can get some mushrooms on there. That thing is like, you can't throw as many veggies on it as you can throw on the chicken tender sub, but like a good, well-done pastrami sandwich, I'd murder somebody for that. And that's how I feel about the public chicken tender sub. Somehow, hey, Trevor Lawrence just got engaged. Yeah, dude, that was like Congrats, yes- Trevor. Th- that was yesterday, man. Okay, so I don't know things. So what? I got Alyssa a fridge, all right? <laughs> yeah, C- call me when you put a fridge on that girl's finger. Yeah, huh? Absolutely. 
Trevor Lawrence so trying to trying to trying to steal my Trevor Thunder. Connor said the TDN gods say one of you can keep your job if you win in dodgeball. It will be Trevor and Rondell Moore and three NFL players versus Ben, Rashad Bateman, and three other NFL players. Please pick your players and explain why your team will win. You want to have a quick snake style draft right here, Ben? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm ready for it. Okay, no problem. Uh, I go first because it's my podcast. Odell Beckham yeah. Jr. Oh, cool. I'll take Jarvis Landry, who has been like the last guy standing in the dodgeball tournament of the Pro Bowl in every single Pro Bowl he's played because he's right. extremely tryhard. All right, so I got the better athlete. Go on. You're you're up again. Um, and I'll take Julian Edelman for college oh. quarterback because we said we, we weren't allowed to take NFL quarterbacks, so I'll yeah. take Edelman. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Big I'm, slot receiver boy. Yeah, so I'm picking Muhammad Sanu and Randall Cobb for that exact reason. <laughs> there you uh, go. Right. There you go, baby. I'll go, I'll take Christian McCaffrey then. He was also I, on my list. He I would there. have preferred like 2018 C-Mac where we didn't have the biceps yet because that's a lot of surface area that we're adding in this situation. <laughs> um, but I've still got elite agility and balance there. So we got short guys so we can duck everything. Yeah. Uh, and we, we got quickness and we got a little bit of quarterbacking background. We'll be all right. Okay. Bateman you, is our tallest guy by like two Yeah, inches. absolutely. Uh, would you rather play a villain in the highest grossing film of all time and nothing else? Or play the hero in a large member of independent movies that struggle to break even. The gist of this question is, would you want to play King Joffrey in Game of Thrones? That is the gist, that is the gist of this question because that young actor who I've, I've listened to and read and watched videos where everyone like praises this kid. Like they love him. Like he's a super great kid. They're like, he's a phenomenal actor. He did such a great job with the role. That kid will forever, no matter what, be known as King Joffrey. And it will, the, the second that people see him, will immediately have their feelings back to King Joffrey. Initially, right off the bat. Obviously, when you meet him, it, it probably might be a little bit different. So I think, when I read this question, I immediately thought, would you play King Joffrey? Because Game of Thrones was also the most popular thing on a television for years and years. Right. This question, like, would you rather play a villain and have the advantage of highest grossing film or hero, but it's it's independent movies and it's not breaking even, implies that playing the hero is better than playing the villain, which is incorrect. I absolutely would play the villain, 1,000%. Firstly, it's easier, right? You know, it's so much easier to act being evil than act being good because all oh, emotional conflict, you have to, like, react to things, oh, struggle, and like, da, da, da. Villain, you just, like, are either like creepy or narcissistic or nuts, whichever like vein of villain we're going after here, right? To me, it's villain, no question. I would take villain in independent movies over hero in a highest grossing film. I think playing the villain would be so much more fun. Uh, yeah, I mean, the answer to this question is I would rather play the villain uh, because the, I'd be... The, do you think about how cool it is like being I'd be, at Starbucks? I'd be, I'd be super filthy rich, but... Somebody, like, you're at Starbucks, and somebody's like, oh, my God, that's King Joffrey. And you're just like, hey, how are you? It's good to meet you. They'd be like, <laughs> yo, King Joffrey is nice! Like, you would blow their minds, and then you'd take a picture with them. And eventually, I would get very tired of that, to be honest. But I feel like I, like, I don't know. Whenever I, like, watch movies, I always think to myself, oh, it's got to be so fun to be playing that villain role and to just be, like a little have like screws loose and be totally weird and have an extremely skewed worldview that you explain during a monologue. To me, that sounds awesome. Yeah. I mean, there would definitely be, it's, it's a different type of role to play. Um, 
being famous is Trev also clearly is not as amped about this as I am. No, just because I know that so many people like deal with so much hate, like unnecessary hate. Like they take your character that you play into your real life. And I know that there are a lot of people who have had obviously like negative, like that's the, because that's the, uh, that's really the gist of the question here is, is are you cool with people you've never met in your life hating you off of facial recognition? That's hey, like basically what it is. Man, highest grossing film of all time. A man's got a bag. I don't have to see any strangers for the rest of my I can life. See, then this is this is why I answered the question yeah. as yeah, I would uh, I would still rather be the villain. Matthew said, "What would you consider an upset fantasy football pick at number one overall that might wind up being number one by season's end?" He said, "I'll start Julio Jones. I think Julio Jones is a good one, right?" Uh, the Top three running backs right now are Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, and Ezekiel Elliott. But if you're picking number one overall and you're not picking one of those three guys, you're basically out of your mind. But he's saying, think outside the box. Who's another name that could pop in that could have a really successful, potentially number one overall year? My answer is Joe Mixon, the running back for Cincinnati Bengals, because Mixon's coming off back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. I think that with Burrow being there, we saw how much Burrow was willing to lean on Clyde Ebersley-Lair in the passing game. Mixon is also a great pass catcher. He will bring value in that regard as well. They'll give him the ball in the red zone more. There's just not a lot of options. It's going to be the Joe Mixon show, but they're going to use, I think, Joe Mixon to alleviate Joe Joe Burrow. I almost said Joe Brady. Uh, Joe Burrow on some of the early pressures and things like that he, that he's going to deal with his rookie year. So that would be my outside-the-box number one fantasy pick. It's just funny because I just wrote about long shot to lead the NFL in rushing. And after like you know like looking at, all right, this is historically how much volume these guys have had and how much efficacy they've had, I landed on four players who had decently long odds who fit the profile of being rushing leaders, and Mixon was one of them. Mm-hmm. He was one of my two best bets, and he was not first. He was comfortably second because that offensive line still sucks. It sucks, 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 sucks. Um, and and I'm not sure that Burrow. I think Burrow's going to lead to more passing. Whereas Green Bay running back Aaron Jones mm. plays for a head coach that clearly wants to run the football into the ground. And they drafted A.J. Dillon, which is your primary concern that Jones is not going to get the sort of volume that he did last season. But with that concern acknowledged, they're going to run the ball more. Jones had a full healthy season last year, uh, a full season of starting. He's hopefully going to be healthy again. He is not threatened by Jamal Williams. He's clearly won the starting job over him. Over the last like seven games of the season, he was carrying the ball like 17 times a game and averaging over five yards per carry. Like once they settled in, they were settled in, and they've improved the uh, the tight end position there as well. They've added Deguara to be an H back. Like they're they're clearly oriented on running the ball and giving Jones high volume. So to me, it's funny because like I like to riff on Jones not being as good as people think he is, but also I think that he's going to get a ton of volume. Um, so I don't know. To me, that's that's a guy. I also don't really know. I'm not good at fantasy, but yeah, Aaron Jones. Um, this is a good question. I hope you saw this one. Mike Leach posed a great question last week that made me think yes, of you I guys. Yes, I did. If you could know the truth behind any mystery, which mystery would you choose? So, right. This like I don't like I had to like do some research into mysteries that are not yet solved cuz a lot of like you know, this sounds awful. A lot of like these people disappeared are like not super interesting to me. I don't know, like I'm not like super stoked by those. But then I started learning about 
how there's just like things that we have in languages that we just don't know. Right? Like there are just there's there's just like we got like like tomes, like you know, like like, like hieroglyphics and, and slabs with just symbols that we just, just don't know. So and you so, that, so you would like to be able to understand any language that has ever been set up before. Yeah, but it's not even like like it's not even like oh like no languages. It's just like because like probably like ninety five percent of that is like you know twelve bushels of grain from Kevin. You know what I mean? Like it's just like that's that's all that that is, right? <laughs> so like oh, like it was important right, at the time, right? As of right now, all the main thing that we know, like the the oldest languages we have that we understand what it means is like it's an arithmetic keeping track of like stores of food, right? I'm like that that's that's the 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 length that we've got but there is a chance that one of these things just says like aliens landed today and like that like they like like, there could be like world view changing information that's just sitting somewhere in some prehistoric language that we have not figured out to me that's kind of freaking nuts um so would this solution to a mystery probably just open up like way more mystery yes but also, it would be very cool to just like walk up and be like, "Ah, yes, this is the ancient Sumeric symbol for loser." You know what I mean, idiot. This idiot today, right? That I think to me would be a cool mystery to solve. Um, I w- when I think of mysteries that really intrigue me, I think about the footprints, if you will, of like old civilizations that we just like haven't necessarily been able to put all of the puzzle pieces to to see like how they got here exactly or how exactly they built this in the time that they lived and like things like that like we have the one that the one that's very prevalent to me is the Easter Island one off the coast of Chile like I, how like how did these people one get there two like have the tools and knowledge and manpower to construct these like 900 human looking statues built out of incredibly heavy stone. You know what I'm saying? Like, all, like yeah. I just, I just wish that I could almost like float, have an out of body experience or watch a movie where I saw exactly how this happened, like how they got there. And I feel like I have this thought for a lot of different things of when I see these marvels of, you know, like great things that you could see around the world, and I'm just like, man, I'd love to see like how they like Stonehenge, this. like stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. that would these mysteries Ooh. of how humans of ancient civilization came to one get to where they were, um, and and as as like life developed, and two how they were able to do these incredible things hundreds and even thousands and thousands of years ago is like so beyond me. Those are the mysteries that I would kind of just like love to see unfold. I'd love to kind of. Yes, I thought of another one now that you're talking about this. Okay. I want to know what's in the Marianas Trench. Oh, I want to know what's in the depths of the ocean. So. <laughs> oh badly. wow! I listen, listen. There are things. It's terrifying though. Yes. It's terrifying, are, dude. I am positive. Are you are more just... afraid of this? Yes, is... more afraid of the deep. Yes. I was about to say, are you more afraid of space or the ocean? The ocean. There are things. There are huge Trevor. There are huge sharks. I know billions of feet deep. I'm positive. I'm so sure. Even though, like, probably it's not true. But just like in the dark, 
where there's no sunlight and there's like those geothermal vents, which is like magma bubbling up. There are in huge sharks in the Marianas Trench. I would like to see them from very far away. All right, we're going to run through as many of these as we can as we get out of this, as we uh, get out of here for this oh, shoot. episode. This one went fast. I know. Uh, Ryan asks, as someone who is moving from an apartment to a townhouse next weekend, what is one thing oh, you God. didn't think you needed that is actually a must-have? A fridge! <laughs> Getting a fridge! No, honestly. Um, you will walk into your new bathrooms at your new townhouse. I don't know if it's new, actually. Well, it's 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 newly yours. Um, big shout out. Also, congrats, Ryan. You will wash your hands, and then you will go. Oh wait, there's not soap in here. And then you'll go. Oh wait, there's not a hand not towel, towel in here. So <laughs> those are the things that those are two of the things that like it was just a very common thing. Like oh yeah, hey, I, I gotta pee real quick. And then you pee, and then you go. Oh, I don't. <laughs> I don't have any means to wash my hands. It was something that you just kind of like forget about. So I would say that that would probably be. Uh, one thing. Uh, Fantasy Reapers said, travel back in time to alter a moment in your team's draft pick history. What moment are you changing? Uh, McNabb throwing up on the sideline of the Super Bowl against no, the no, Patriots. And- no, no, no. This is a draft pick change. What? Oh, I guess it could. He says a draft pick, a play call or something. Okay, go on. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, Donovan McNabb was out here with like a stomach bug slash maybe nervous. Um in the fourth quarter against the Patriots at a time in which also, yes, Andy Reid was out here just wasting timeouts in the third quarter, which we should also change that. Generally, that end of the Eagles-Patriots Super Bowl in, in 2003 was, no, excuse me, in 2005, was just full of anguish because the Eagles were still close but also, like, everything was going wrong. Like, Owens's ankle, which was, like, broken, was, like, you know, the meds were starting to wear off. McNabb was puking on the sideline. Andy Reid had no idea why he was supposed to keep his timeouts. But they were still only down three. So, you're like, they just need one lucky play and we'll be fine. And I just, I remember just being in total anguish for that entire second half. So, I would like to change that, whatever I need to change there to go from a dub, uh, an L to a dub. Mine was a draft pick change. In 2005, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers drafted Cadillac Williams. Love you, Cadillac. But they could have drafted Aaron Rodgers. And I believe the night before, Gruden called Aaron Rodgers and said, hey, man, we're going to draft you if you're on the board. He did not. And uh, Tampa's been bad ever since. Also, not picking Gaines Adams in 2007 because that draft was absolutely stacked. Um, and Robert Aguayo? They just, well, I, look, man, these are even more detrimental than, the, than a Roberto Aguayo pick. Um T.S., why is it three sides minimum? Why not go big or go home with four sides minimum? The reason why it's three sides minimum, and it is a minimum here, folks, right? If you want to get four sides, minimum. five sides, you can. But for those that don't know, we got a current, we got a movement going on. Whenever we, whenever you eat barbecue, I don't care where it is, if it's in North Carolina, if it's in Oklahoma, if it's in Texas, if it's in Georgia, I don't care. I don't care what style it is. We get three sides minimum. Why? The reason why we do is because no matter where you go, every barbecue place is going to have its specialty meat. Unless you find a great place that does all of it really well, which, you know, cherish that place with all your heart. You could get their famous brisket or their famous pulled pork or something like that or a pork sandwich, whatever it is. But there are a lot of sides that come as options at barbecue places. Mac and cheese, coleslaw, baked beans mashed potatoes, collard greens. You know, like, there's all kinds of different sides that you could have. 
But for every barbecue place where they have a specialty in a meat, I also know for a fact that they have specialties in their sides. Some some barbecue places really knock sides out of the park, and they are phenomenal. But they don't advertise what sides they do really well nearly as much as they might their meats. So I always say three sides minimum because when you get three, it allows you to, one, choose the sides that you already know that you're a big fan of already. But it makes sure that you get a diverse option of sides to then hopefully hit on one that that particular barbecue place does really, really well. So if you want to go above and beyond, if you are money bags out here wanting to go four sides, five sides, three meats minimum, go for it. I love you even more if you do. But I say three sides minimum because... You know, some people are out here balling on a budget. We can't get too carried away with it. And three, I think, is the perfect mix of I get to go after the sides that I know that I already traditionally really like while also hopefully trying maybe one or two that I'm going either out on a limb on or saying, oh, you know what, this place seems to do this really well. And then that allows you to really appreciate the barbecue makers for the things that they do really well. So that's why we do it. That's why we do it. I just want barbecue now. Every time you talk about it, I just think to myself, oh, I haven't gotten barbecue in so long. Using only offensive and defensive linemen. Crap, I only did defensive linemen. <laughs> I mean, out, like, I have, I have, like, two offensive linemen, I think. Fill out, this, question built for the fill out the skill questions, or fill out the skill positions on your roster. So, like, who would be wide receiver, quarterback? All right, yeah. go. What's your team? Uh, quarterback Lane Johnson, high school quarterback. Uh, I think it was also played a little bit of quarterback at his JUCO college as well, if memory okay. serves. Okay. Running back Aaron Donald. Hoo-hoo, baby! Um, wide receivers, Josh Allen, Kentucky. Uh, Jacksonville, actually. <laughs> TJ Watt, Chandler Jones. Uh, my tight end is Miles Garrett. Defensively, at corner, I have Vaughn Miller, Shaq Barrett, Melvin Ingram. We out okay. here running three cones, baby. Okay, okay. Um, my safeties are Khalil Mack and Jason Kelsey. Don't know who's playing free. Don't really care. Jeez, okay. Uh, and my linebackers are Nick Bosa and Quentin Nelson. I, so I have three offensive linemen. I didn't have linebackers in there. Uh, for quarterback, I have... Wow, jo- I wow. Have- quote Trevor Sikama. Linebackers are not a skill position, end quote. Linebackers don't matter. Uh, skill, uh, I, the quarterback position, I have Josh Allen. Because it's hilarious. Yeah, that the def- pretty clever. That the defensive end, Josh Allen, is now playing quarterback. And... Uh, as the Madden simulation told us, the defensive end Josh Allen would do better than actual Josh Allen. Running back, I have Miles Garrett. Wide receiver, I have Chandler Jones and Danielle Hunter. Tight end, I have JJ Watt and uh, Arik Armstead. Corners, oh, that's fun. Corners, I have Von Miller and Brian Burns. Uh, strong. Oh, Brian Burns is a good one. Strong he was safe- so good at coverage. Yeah, strong safety. I got TJ Watt, and then free safety, I got Harold Landry. Where's Aaron Donald? Uh, taking a much deserved vacation from getting an absolute Man, pounding is the only good defensive end. To me is so much fun. Think about having to deal with the natural leverage and stiff arm power of Aaron Donald. Uh, Michael said, "Rank the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles." Okay, one is Donnie because he's a nerd. Two is Mikey. <laughs> Three is Roth. Four is Leo. I love Leo, but also like. When you're the leader, you're inherently like your feature episodes kind of sucks. It's like, oh, my character. It's like, all right, you're boring. Um, he also asked us to match who, uh, us and the draft dudes for them. So I'm Donnie. You're Mikey. Kyle is Roth. And Joe is Leo. Okay. And I feel strongly about those four. So I, my top four, I had Leo, Michael, Donnie, and Raphael's number one. Michael? Big Mike. Who's Michael? M- Big Mike and the boys. Um, 
Yeah, I actually had the same pairing as you. So yeah. that's I thought I felt I felt good about him. Um, Samer said, "How can you swallow ranch dressing with your wings?" Ben, are you a ranch guy? Or are you a blue uh, very easily guy? by putting on blue cheese, and then eating the blue cheese with my wings. So you're, you're, I like ranch. Okay, but so you are a yeah. Uh, wings, wings is a blue cheese situation. Yeah, I I have absolutely, absolutely no apologies for being a big ranch guy with wings. I do not care. Yeah. I it's don't good. care. I prefer blue cheese, but like I like so like when I get like cold pizza, I'll throw ranch on that puppy. Pretty good. Uh, hmm. Oh, this is an interesting one. We got a couple more we're getting to. All five members of the 99 Club have joined together to attack you, and your only line of defense is five NFL mascots. Not not the mascots themselves, but the names. So, like, choosing Vikings would give you an actual Viking. Who were the five that you were choosing and so on? So, I have have my five. Go for it. Uh, Rowdy the Cowboy, because he's got a gun, and he'll kill him. Uh, Victor (sighs) Victor the Viking, because he'll probably have an axe, and he'll kill him. Captain Fear of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because he's got a sword and he'll probably kill him. Sourdough Sam of the 49ers because he's got a pickaxe looking for gold and will also kill them. He and has then, a pickaxe? Uh, no, probably not as the mascot, but if you're digging for gold, you've got a pickaxe, yeah. And then my last one is Staley the Bear of the Chicago Bears because he's a bear and he'll probably kill him. Hmm. All right. So then, like, so yeah, it's just, okay. Uh, so, I mean, you could go big cats. You could get lions. You could get jaguars. You could get bears. Oh my, bears! There are no tigers, right? Yeah, there's no tigers. That's college. I mean, Bengals. Bengals. There it is. Yes, Bengal. I knew that was a tiger. Um, another large ram. Bronco ram. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. A, isn't a raider like a Mad Max pirate psycho? Maybe. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. But that's my people. All right, no, I'm just making my... I've got my team of animals. I've got rams and bengals and jaguars and lions. And we're just a fleet of, of <laughs> quadrupeds, predators. All right, final one. Somebody said, hey, if you could make changes to Madden's franchise mode, which changes would you make? And uh, I, I asked them to ask this question again. They asked it a couple of weeks ago, and I wasn't able to get it. Here we go. And the reason why I'm saying all of these things is because... We have already had tastes of them in previous Maddens, and they were, for whatever reason, taken away from us. I want to be able to create my own plays. Let me literally design my own plays. Don't tell me you don't have the capabilities to do it, because I know you do, because they had it in an earlier Madden. I want to be able to build my own plays, build my own concepts, put them into my own playbook, and be able to use that in the game. I want to have a challenging free agency system that has to do with timing, where you can't just go, oh, you know... I'm the user-controlled team, so I guess I get first dibs to outbid these guys however I want. I believe it was in Madden 2012 when the second you hit the start button, all of the major free agents became on the clock, and they were live bidding with other teams for these free agents. So if you spent a lot of time trying to figure out how much money you wanted to give one guy, guess what? You missed out on another one. He signed to another team. It was too late. That's cool. I loved that. That was such a cool part of Madden because it was challenging. You didn't just get to sit there and pick the best free agents. Like that's. I'm tired of having the best team. I'm tired of it. I want to be a good general manager and a good franchise manager because I earned it. And I feel like Madden right now just gives you the ability to, oh, yeah, you're you're the best. Good for you. Like, I want an actual challenging. It is clear right now that now that they have Madden Ultimate Team, it is clear that the casuals of Madden 
play Madden Ultimate Team. They do not play franchise mode. Make franchise mode for the diehards. Make it difficult. Make it challenging. Make us have to think. Make decisions. On top of the free agent thing, I have a better scouting system. A scouting system that you have to actually pay attention to, throw details and time into throughout the season in order to have any idea who these guys are that you're drafting. And if you don't, they're total randoms. But reward you for the time that you put in for a scouting system that goes on throughout the season. I want an extended training camp like there was in Madden 2012 where at the beginning of the training camp you had 90 players. And as you had practices, as you had games, you figured out exactly how well these guys meshed with your team, what their exact overalls were, and then throughout training camp, you would have to forcibly cut the roster down from 90 to 75, and then whatever it was, and then getting down to the active 53-man, but the way that you did that is that you paid attention to your players, you saw how they produced during the games, it revealed their overalls, they went up during training camp, and you got to keep guys that you just like wouldn't expect instead of just like drafting a team, simming preseason, and just going right into the games. Um... So I want like a, a mini camp involved in that. Like we had like in Madden 2004, 2005, where you can increase your guys' uh, skill sets without just like normal practices. Uh, draft process to be expanded. I already said that. And then the last thing, when I move a team, I want to be able to fully move the team. In Madden, like 2004, 2005, 2006, they gave you city suggestions where you could go. They told you the population of those cities. I'd love to see that get even more detail in it. When you move a team, I want to be able to pick the exact colors that the team are, the name, the logo, what the jerseys look like. I want to be able to customize the jerseys myself. And again, I only say all of these things because they have already been in Madden's of the past. They've already been there. They got rid of them as we got into like Madden 2013, 14, 15. They just started phasing all of this stuff out. All of it. And I don't know if it's because of like something that they have with the NFL because they have their exclusivity agreement. So if the NFL is like, hey, stop doing customization. I don't know why. I don't know why this happens. All I'm saying is they are the ideas already exist. I didn't come up with any of this stuff on my own. I've literally played it with my own two hands on a controller. And yet they don't exist in Madden right now. They physically took them out of the game. Things that made the game better. Make franchise mode a mode for the diehard Madden fans. You already have Ultimate Team. It's not going anywhere. It's your big money maker. I get it. So then have Ultimate Team and stop making franchise mode this cookie cutter, back burner mode of the game. Devote time into it. Sell it for your diehards. Know that the diehards are probably aren't playing Madden Ultimate Team because it's annoying as hell anyways. Make franchise mode what, for the people that actually... Like, Madden Ultimate Team is like where you get like these packs. I, I played it for a little bit and I thought... I, I, I did not enjoy it. It's not for me. You get like these cards of players in a pack. And so it's almost like this like trading card thing where you have to buy these booster packs to get better players to increase your team so that... You have your quote-unquote Madden Ultimate team, which you can then play other people online with your Madden Ultimate team. So, uh, like, so it's like different generations of players and stuff. Sort of, but like you could, like for example, I believe this is how it goes. I, I, I haven't played it a lot, but like you could have a like seventy-five overall Josh Allen, and then like you could open like a card pack, or you like you can increase Josh Allen to where you're like I've all of a sudden got like a ninety-eight Josh Allen or something. Josh Allen, yeah. Nice. So, like, that's how it goes. And, like, I get the concept. It's a fun little arcade game, but they've completely taken what Madden is and thrown the identity into Madden Ultimate Team because it makes them money. And, again, I get it. 
They're trying to make the most amount of money. But franchise mode sucks. And I wanted to make sure that I said all of these things because I've played them before, put them back in the game. I miss Madden being good. There. And rant. That's I Fan Friday, folks. Because I didn't. So, nice. That's Fan Friday. Fan Saturday. Whatever. Putting it up right after we're done recording here. Appreciate you guys uh, dealing with my awkward moving schedule. Appreciate it. Hopefully, we're not late on any podcast from here on out. We got a Mock Draft Monday, and there was actually a suggestion of what the Mock Draft Monday topic should be in Fan Friday. I think that's what we're going to end up doing on Monday. And then for the summer scouting next week, we are transitioning to the offensive line. We got some good ones that they're talking about. I'm so excited to drool over how good Oregon offensive tackle Penny Sewell is. And then, of course, to find some other guys who might be challenging them because we know that the NFL really covets any offensive tackle that they can get their hands on that they think they can mold into a starting position. It's going to be a lot of fun. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked on NFL Draft.